Biz Women Rock, episode 155. What's going on? This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. The most savvy business women know that their marketing has to stay fresh and relevant. That's where Postcard Mania comes in. From direct mail, email marketing, to Google pay-per-click, Postcard Mania provides proven strategies that produce results for your business. Get started today with a 1,000 free postcards at postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. The fabulous Karen Emanuel is my guest today. She's the founder of a company called Key Production. It's in charge of actually creating all of the music product that an artist would need. So let's say that your favorite artist is Madonna. I don't know why she just came to mind. Um, you know, she would go to Key Production to go make her CDs, any vinyl, you know, records that she wanted to make, digital download stuff, uh, DVDs, any promotional product. Like if there's something specific, like everyone who buys that album is going to get like a bag or something like that, or you're you're at a show and you need all that stuff. That's what Key Production takes care of. That's the company that Karen has built. It's an incredible story. She started the company back in 1990 and has built a huge company whose clients are the likes of Coca-Cola and the BBC. So we're not talking small potatoes here. Um, In this interview, she talks about how she's grown through acquisition. She's acquired two different companies since she started um, and the pros and cons of doing that. And she also talks about kind of the side business that she started after she visited Nicaragua. She actually bought an island in the middle of a lake and built an entire eco resort there. So she is an incredible woman, very straightforward, very business, totally love this woman. So let's get rolling. Karen, what is going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, You're very welcome. Coming to us all the way from the United Kingdom. Thank you so much for for being here. Um, I'm very excited to tell your story today because um, I do not know much about the music industry in the space in which you play as a manufacturer of a lot of those goods, which is so cool and fascinating to me. So um, one thing I want to start out with is understanding how you even got involved in this type of interest of music of this particular industry in the first place? Like what kind of stuff were you, were you doing before you opened your doors? Uh, Well, it kind of goes back to when I was at university um, studying for genetics, which is obviously nothing to do with anything (laughs) that I do at the moment. I was like, there's no relation there. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, whilst I was at university, um, I became um, what they call an event secretary, um, which basically meant that I was putting on a lot of um, shows for independent bands in the university and I was also DJing and booking some of the DJs. So I kind of really compounded my my love and interest for music and also kind of gave me a taste of of doing business um, because it was the first time 
that a woman had actually sort of been in that position and carried it through for the year, and also the first time anyone had actually enabled the university union to make any money from doing it. So uh, I guess that's where it all started. How did you decide what to charge your clients? Because that that almost seems, especially kind of when you're university age, it's sort of like, oh, hey, friend, will you do this for me as a favor and kind of get me booked here? Like, how did you kind of ma- say, hey, this is how much my services cost? How did you come up with that? Um, well, that, that was because it, it, it's very different to what I do now. It was booking bands. There were kind of set formulas that you were given at the beginning to say, you know, um, you get this band, you, you pay for them, then you take the door takings, and it's always got to be a percentage that you're going to pay the band and a percentage that you need to get from the door. Therefore, your ticket price has got to be X. Right, gotcha, um, okay. Yeah, so, so it was just, but it, it was just, yeah, it was a good learning curve. I think it just sort of set me up um, for the future. So um, how, how did that really roll into key productions? Like how did that roll into the space that you're in now? Well, I went, I go off piste a lot here. I went traveling for a couple of years, um, came back to London, didn't know what in the world I really wanted to do. And my best friend said, well, you really like music. Why don't you get into the music industry? So um, I kind of wrote my CV for the very first and the very last time. <laughs> and um, I, I got a job as a receptionist in a music distribution company. Um, they obviously realized that I was quite bright um, and moved me into the production department, which is essentially kind of what we do now. And then over quite a short period of time, I was promoted and promoted until I actually ran the department. Wow. Um, And then the company wasn't doing very well at all. I got a new boss in who decided, we didn't really like strong women, um, and he also um, didn't do business in a way that I completely agree with. Um, So we begged to differ. He told me my department should be one person on the computer. So uh, I kind of took it as advice um, (laughs) and got made redundant and took myself the one person, not a computer actually back in those days, it was a typewriter, um, and decided, uh, yeah, I was young. What have I got to lose by by setting up by myself? You know, if, 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 if things didn't go well, I could just get another job. So, yeah, young and enthusiastic. <laughs> great attitude to have. And actually, that's a great attitude to have no matter what age you are. Um, yes. I've, seen, I've seen some very successful entrepreneurs like just that just started their own company in like their 50s and 60s. And they're like, hey, what, what do I got to lose? You know, I'll just go back and do something. If for some reason it, you know, fall, fails and crashes and burns. So, yeah, exactly. So when you, this is probably a really good time for you to explain exactly what key production is, because I think it's part of the music industry that not a lot of, a lot of us as music listeners kind of take for granted, and we don't really see the work that actually goes on behind what you do. So do quick, take a quick second and just explain kind of what the business does. Okay, I, I, I can give you a very brief, uh, what, what we say, we're a creative company, We say we turn good ideas into great products, providing packaging and quality promotional solutions for for all sorts of industries. Now, obviously, music is our first love. Um, So we we go right from the sort of design of the artwork for an album, a CD, or or a sort of very beautifully packaged box set, um, telling 
advising people on what materials they can use, what can go into it to make it look absolutely beautiful, and then we arrange all the manufacturing, all the putting together, the shipping, the delivering um, to the customers, hopefully, you know, delivering way beyond their expectations. But we do stuff from, you know, very, very simple, as it used to be, a sort of CD in, in, in a plastic box with, with just a, a little card insert to absolutely beautifully, lavishly packaged things <laughs> that yeah. often that will contain music but sometimes it, it's it's not just about the music it's also about the huge package that goes with it right right um you know and it if, so if any artist if any music artist really wants an opportunity to make a statement with their brand with their music with their album you're who they go to to kind of create that from scratch and, and be able to produce it that's correct yes that's so it's just awesome and again i think it's a, a part that we don't see as music listeners a lot and we kind of no take it no you don't it's, um you know someone has to do it you know we're right at the kind of like the bottom of the food chain if you if you like we're, we're where it all sort of happens yeah um, but like you say people go into a into a store and they go whoa that's beautiful i love this artist i must have that and you don't think about how it actually became that and, and we're obviously that that process well, so now you had had experience in the industry, so you kind of knew the logistics of how this whole production was supposed to run. Yeah. How did you originally go out and get clients so that you actually had a business co- coming in? Well, um, I very cleverly, um, whilst I was still working at my previous company, had spoken to a couple of um, people on the side and said, look, you know, if I was to do this, would you support me? Um, because I know what you're doing and I can get you better prices than you're currently getting because I know the prices you're getting and I know what I buy for. Um, <laughs> so, so I started with one client um, who I knew would give me enough work so I could eat. Right. Um, and I gave them a really good deal. They're actually they're still a client to this day. Oh, wow. How cool. Um, so so I, yeah, I, I knew that whatever happened, I, I could, as I say, I could eat. Um, and then I just started putting feelers out, doing, ad- there was no digital in those days, so it was all sort of paper advertising in, in all the um, sort of music press. Just, and then I just, I love going to shows, so I just went to loads and loads of shows, and I just went out there and I networked and networked and networked, and what enjoyable networking it was. Yeah, no you kidding. Know, going to see bands I really liked and meeting great people, and, and that's how... People sort of came to me. They they knew me. They trusted me, and then yeah, word of mouth um, meant more and more people came. Wow! I obviously did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point did you start actually like building out your team in order to now take on it and handle all this business that was coming in? Um, in after the first year, I took on a part time member of staff. She actually only left about two or three years ago. Um, and yeah, so she started part-time helping me out, then she became full-time, then I kind of needed someone else, and I I had a lot of people that I knew, friends or friends of friends that came in, which is, it's a great thing to do at the beginning, it gets much more difficult later on as you grow, because the, the, the lines between sort of friendship and, you know, boss become a bit blurry and it just can become very difficult, more of which we'll probably come to later. Right. Um, so, so that's how I started there. And then I also, um, they, they do certain schemes in the UK where you could get um, a college leaver 
that wanted work experience, paid work experience. Like an intern, And, and right? you, because they'd sort of been through college, they, you know, they had some sort of degree, so, so right. you know, they, and they were ready to work. So I took, I went through a scheme that, that took sort of college leavers on, and, and they all became valued members of staff as, as the company grew. Well, and so it was very much um, organic to begin with until... I then made made um, an acquisition, and then I just got loads of stuff from the acquisition. Got it. Okay. So, and one of the things that I noticed about uh, when I was, you know, researching and kind of looking on your website and hearing different interviews that you had done is that your, I mean, your staff has been with you a long time. Like you have a really, you have a lot of longevity in your staff, which is pretty incredible. Um, what do you really attribute that to? <laughs> no. I- I suppose being open and honest, um, yeah, sharing, um, I guess, you know, paying, paying a decent wage, uh, I guess I must be quite nice to hang out with. (laughs) Well, and I guess that leads me to the question of what kind of leader are you? Like who, who are you when you show up in the company? What kind of habits do you institute in order to produce the culture that your company has? Like, who who is that person? Um, I suppose I always say, well, kind of work hard, pay, play hard. So, you know, lead, lead by example. Um, but be very good. I mean, everyone here is very enthusiastic, which I guess, you know, I am as well. Um Really, I, I still really, really love what I do. So the kind of the, the not yet, and I'm knowledgeable. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm enthusiastic with it. Uh, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm, again, again, it's the, it's the, it's the openness and honesty. But everyone here knows I can be a tough cookie. Right. So right. yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> take any SHIT, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> it's officially explicit. Um, well, okay, so this bears a question, you know, about your open openness and honesty. Like, do you, I, I have like a 50-50 split of uh, yeah. opinions of my guests on the show, whether they share their financial numbers with their team or not, like have an open book policy with uh, their team. Um, is that the kind of openness that you're talking about? Like, how how do you, like, what kind of openness are you talking about that really... Uh, you know, attributes itself to kind of a team that's there that latches on and that is kind of moving in the same direction. The the openness is more more about um, what we want to do as a company, how we want to do it, how, how we think we should be doing it. Um, so everyone yes. really gets a say in that and gets to participate in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, you know what? I don't look over people's shoulders. I let them get on with it. I know that maybe you know in the beginning people wouldn't have done as good a job as me but I had to let that go and actually trust the fact that I've employed the right person for the job and they can do it well differently to me possibly now definitely better than me (laughs) um as as far as the open book policy is concerned we I share some figures with people so that because we, we have like um, a bonus scheme based on how well the company's doing. So we show the figures so that they know sort of what sort of bonuses that, that they can get. And I, I think it's quite important for people to know um, how the company's doing because it does go up and down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, and you, know, you, you can have one client 
that can that can spoil the balance either way. They can make you have an absolutely phenomenal month, or if they're not doing any work, they can make you have an absolutely terrible month. So you know, it's and it's good for the staff to be aware of that. What kind of stuff are you not good at, Karen? Like what what took you? Um, like a, like, you know, in the beginning we're all doing, we're all wearing all of the hats and then we kind of got to give it up. Like what things did you recognize very early on that you're like, I suck at this and I need to, I need somebody else to do it. Well, not that I've got anyone else to do it. I, I, I suck at giving interviews to people and, and doing, and I absolutely hate doing, um, sort of staff appraisals and things like that because I think I'm almost, you know, can be too nice <laughs> and I don't like, don't like, um, sort of the controversy of, you know, facing someone with a problem. So I'm, I'm not not great at that. Um, something that I've... <laughs> I recently did the Goldman, uh, Goldman Sachs course, the 10,000 Small Businesses, it's called, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I got told right at the very beginning of that that I hadn't been able to delegate properly, which I was actually quite taken aback about because I thought I delegated really well. And what I realised I didn't delegate properly was was people looking after my money. In as much as I never gave, a, uh, I'd never have a sales and marketing person. I'd never give anyone a budget. Wow! Because I wanted to keep control of the sort of purse strings. So, so after twenty five years, <laughs> I'm just about to employ a sales and marketing director that I am going to to give away to. Are you using LinkedIn? Okay, let me ask that another way. Are you really using LinkedIn in a way that truly produces results for your business, like big time? Well, if you're anything like me and so many other businesswomen out there, you probably have a LinkedIn profile set up, but may not really do a lot with it. Or if you're actually on LinkedIn and you're active, perhaps you're not getting the results that you need. That's why you have got to know about LinkedIn Focus. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Niall Nickel, the founder of LinkedIn Focus, so you can see how using the right tools with the right platform can be explosive for your business. So what I love about LinkedIn Focus is that it shoves aside the 8,000 messages that you have about LinkedIn and all these strategies on how to use LinkedIn. It shoves all that aside and gets down dirty right to the point on what works, what doesn't and how you can really apply it to your business to produce results. It, it absolutely does. I mean, at the bottom of the day, it's a tool. You could get really excited because you get really massive results very quickly. LinkedIn Focus is where I really try to help uh, business and individuals leverage the power of LinkedIn for their goals. If you are not getting business from LinkedIn, then LinkedIn Focus is a must. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. So um, you did mention before that you went through an acquisition, that you actually acquired another company. Can you talk a little bit about like what precipitated that? What, what gave you the idea to actually acquire another company? And what process did you have to go through in order to do that successfully? Um, it was actually them that came to me because they weren't doing so well. And I think the guy that was running it didn't really want to run it anymore. Um, and they came to me with for basically to take them over, almost to save them, save the staff, and also um, with a payment plan for some of the suppliers that they couldn't afford. Oh, wow. Um, but we'd been a company, we'd spoken to each other. We, we kept an open dialogue with each other over the years. 
Um, even though we were doing the same thing, we had different customers. Um, and so we'd always kept an open dialogue. So I was kind of like the first person really that they came to because we, we knew how each other worked. Um, and it, it, it was a, a sort of a long period <laughs> of negotiation, um, making sure everyone was happy, um, you know, making sure we took on the, the right staff. I mean, you, ha you have to take on the staff by law anyway um, in the UK. Um, and then eventually buying out the guy that had been running the other company, that had owned the other company, and keeping on um, Neil, who's now my general manager and, and my right hand. Um, so a, a lot of good came out of it. And we really, we, we peaked um, in turnover and, and profit the sort of first year they came on board. Wow. So it was, it was very successful. But I, I've since done another acquisition. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, there'll probably be more in the future. Gotcha. Watch out, world. This lady is coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still coming. <laughs> what do you, what do you, like, what are some of the maybe one or two major things that you would encourage people to really pay attention to or, or be aware of or maybe lessons that you had learned if they are interested in acquiring another company? Oh, I, I, for the whole business, I can tell you this. It, it, it's not just about acquiring another company. It's, it's from beginning to end. Get yourself a really good, really trustworthy accountant. Um, my accountant has been with me for probably 24, I think, of the 25 years. Wow. Um, I trust him implicitly. I call him up because I, I, yeah, I'm the, the sort of major shareholder and been the sole owner for most of the time. Um, I don't have anyone really that I can sort of talk to and bounce ideas off and go through all the figures. And, and he's been the one the whole way along that we, we've sort of been able to talk it through and whether it's a good idea or not and when, when I'd start seeing money again and, and so on. And he, he's, you know, absolutely, you know, been there for me all the time. And I, I go to him every time I need something. <laughs> well, and you make sure, too, to really know your numbers, like to really know intimately all the time where your business stands, right? I'm, I'm always really surprised when I meet um, other entrepreneurs that don't know where they are. Um, I've always known right through from the very beginning what my numbers are, what I look like, whether I've got a bad month, a good month, if a client has disappeared, um, yeah, and so on and so forth. My management accounts now that I have produced are about 20 pages long. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> But I really do, I, I like to, I, I'm a bit sad like that, but it served me well. I like to get into the nitty gritty of it all and see where we can make changes and improve. Right, right. Now, Karen, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, you decided to buy an island and, <laughs> and own an, an eco lodge. Can you tell us what, what happened? Because that is a completely different business. So what's that story? Um, I don't know. Someone told me it was my midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I take that. A nice car. Um, I've I've always loved traveling, um, and I've always loved traveling to places that are a little bit less well trodden. I've always been into sort of nature. Um, I think that actually comes from my, my genetics, sort of like studying animals, animal behavior, and, and things like that. So I, I always go to really interesting places when I travel. I used to travel on my own a lot. Um, I ended up in Nicaragua 
and saw an island for sale and my, I suppose my, my, my entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> kicked in and, I, and I'd, I'd stayed in a really nice eco-lodge um, on the coast there but there was nothing kind of as high-end or as, as sustainable anywhere else in the country and I was kind of thinking well why not if that's working something else can work and, and I, I just started literally scribbling some figures down and asking questions when I saw this island for sale, um, of how you know, how much it would cost to build and develop and, and the staffing and everything. And I thought, you know what, this is achievable. And if I don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And if someone else does it, I'll get really pissed off. So <laughs> do it myself. And, and maybe I needed another challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Well, so what, I mean, that's gotta be, even though you had come up with this plan, you're kind of working through figures. I'm sure you sought out people who had, who could help you out in this process and kind of help you figure it out. What were some of the major surprises that you had as things were starting to develop? In, in the hotel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> trying, trying to do things in a developing Central America country is very different to doing business in Europe and I imagine the States. Um, sometimes people, they just wouldn't turn up for meetings. You're kind of going, I'm actually trying to give you business here. And, and you, you say to them like, like you do in the UK, it's like, well, yeah, if you're not going to turn up or be there or, or want the business, I'll give it somewhere, someone else. And they're like, well, we don't care. And then you find out they don't care because there isn't anyone else. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! <laughs> so, and, and then the the other thing that, that was really hard there was, was actually having a consistent supply of um, anything. Uh, the building materials was fine; you can get consistent supply of those, but just consistent supply of anything else. So you'd see something in a store, and I'd buy one to take it back to go. You know, does this fit in? Is this right? And I'd, yes, and I'd go back to the store and there'd be none left and they weren't ever going to get any again. Oh, wow. And, and then being told, and, and the Nicaraguan people are such lovely people, but they don't want to disappoint you. So they'll always tell you what they think you want to hear. <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to have more. Just keep on coming Absolutely. back, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll be here next week. And it's like, no, it won't. <laughs> so it's quite, it was quite difficult. The other really difficult thing that took me a lot of time to learn over there. You don't really, you know, it's, it's such a very different culture. So I used to get really, I'm, I'm so very English. I used to get really annoyed if the table wasn't set right. And if, and this, this is different in the States, if people cleared the plates when someone was still eating around a table because it's, <laughs> that's not etiquette. Right. And I used to go absolutely mad and get really upset when the staff were doing it wrong. And then I had to sit back and realize you know, how can someone understand why I want that done? When, when you know, you're, you, you've been you know, living very poorly for a long time, you know, why do we need this table set in a certain fashion with a glass on a certain side and a plate on a certain side? So I, I had to really sort of open my mind a bit and, and realise that I'm, you know, I'm dealing with a different culture and I actually have, you know, have to have more respect. Right, right. Um, no, I mean, right. <laughs> you, you went into this knowing that this was going to be a business. I mean, knowing that this was going to be an Eagle Lodge, that you could bring people there, that it would be, it would have its economy, right? So um, what have you done and what was part of your marketing plan and what's been the most effective 
of your marketing that's brought people in. And I'm asking this because you have been acclaimed by, like I saw National Geographic recognized you. You've had, you know, uh, uh, tourism industries recognize your Eco Lodge as a, a, an amazing place to be. So what was part of your marketing plan and what has worked well for you to market it to get people there? Um, I actually have to hand that accolade over to the sort of management company who also do the marketing, which is a company called Cayuga, who, who also manage and market um, a series of eco lodges in Costa Rica. Um, see, you do, think- do a good job of delegating, see? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think, though, I think the very special thing about Hikaro is it's, I, you know, it's not greenwash. It really is sustainable. It really has been done with the environment in mind. Um, It's everybody that that runs the hotel are all local people. Um, They get trained very well and they get continuous training. Um, It's very much, I I wanted to, to... build a place that I wanted to go to, but that was also done right. And I think because I haven't come into it as a developer or as a hotelier, that I've put a lot of kind of passion and love into the way that I want it. And I think people feel that when they come there and they know that I'm not just, I'm not in it just to make money out of it. I'm in there because it's an actual passion that I'm sharing with people. Wow. I just think that that's amazing. Um, I want to I want to circle back around again to um, to your production company because there was one question that just kept wrangling in my head, which was, you know, you you've been around for twenty five years, and the music industry and the technology used in the music industry has changed dramatically. So, what people used to want as vinyl then became CDs and DVDs, which then became digital, you know, downloads and and even all the products and you know having bags or you know all sorts of stuff with logos and brands on them. How have you seen that impact your business throughout these years, and how have you adapted? Well, it, it has impacted, obviously. I mean, we, we used to press, like, millions of CD singles. They don't even exist anymore. Right. Um, what happened was we, we, we began losing money. Or we, well, we, didn't, we began not making any money. Um, and I, I really saw it, and I kind of saw it happening. And I had to make some of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make. And, and I, you know, we had to cut down on the number of staff. And this is when, when you've got, when you've got a personal friendship with somebody, and you've been to their wedding, and you've seen their kids grow up, and you know that for the best thing for the company and for everyone else is that you have to ask them to go. That's horrible. Ouch. Horrible, horrible. I, I have broken down in front of my staff um, before, yeah, when, when I've actually sort of had to say that the, yeah, we're going to have to have to make some redundancies. Um, absolutely awful. Um, so, yeah, obviously I sort of did that. Then moved things around a bit. Um, Realised that, yeah, the future was not in you know, CD singles or, or whatever. Um, I then made another acquisition of a think tank media this about four years ago that are more creative, more specialist packaging, and not just in the music industry, so that I could kind of look to doing very similar to what we do in the music industry, but for all other industries. Um, At the same time, the way the music industry was changing was, you know, people people are fans, and fans 
want to buy something of the brand of the band. Mm. So what's happened is we do a lot less units, but we do much more beautiful product. So, oh. so it, you know, it, it, it's changed very much. So, so a, a band, you know, they'll, they'll sell something for like, I don't know, $150, but it's got so much to it. Right. You know, and it, it's much more fun for us as well, rather than just knocking out the same looking thing time and time again. We're dealing with all different like finishes, materials, different things that we put in boxes, boxes made of wooden, of tin, and with you know embossing and oh, I don't know, all sorts, all sorts of things. So it's it's yeah, it's really interesting. And by bringing this other company on board that had really specialist knowledge of all of that um, has really sort of helped boost the music side of things so we've become you know sort of very expert but we, yeah we've also got the machine behind that can sort of put out a, a, a lot of product if we need to and the very high-end product and we still do a lot of work with people that are just starting off so it's much again it's lower quantities but people still want something to sell at their shows right. so we're still sort of making you know the you know 500 here and there um yeah, so, so that's how I, I sort of looked at that, is, is like, oh dear, we're losing it over here, so we've got to try and make it somewhere else. Um, the other thing as well, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that um, it started with vinyl, then went to CDs. We can't get vinyl pressed quick enough at the moment. Vinyl has come back in such a huge nice. way. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. And the people really like the product. They like that big format, and, and they like the sound of it, which, which is very different to digital sound. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we're doing more, more than that than ever. Ah, I ju- and I just love the flexibility of it. It's like okay, you got to kind of move and adjust, and hey, now you're coming back into vinyl. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Karen, you know what? One of the things that I know that anyone listening is thinking when they hear stories of women who have re- really been successful in business you know, have had a lot of ups and downs is what your personal habits look like. Like what, what kind of personal things have you developed over time that allow you to be really productive in your business, that allow you to own multiple companies, that allow you to acquire multiple companies? Like what, how do you run your day that, that really works for you? Um, I get really good staff. <laughs> seriously Uh I get really good staff that I can that I can trust that do their jobs well that love doing their jobs um, which enables me to have more of an overview I mean I think like everybody else I get caught up sometimes in in too much day-to-day things that that kind of saps my energy Um, but I really I, I try to have just a really good team around me so that it, it enables me to kind of look it's work work on the business not in the business right so and I don't I, I try I don't work at weekends um, I take holidays I when I walk out of here although yes of course I pick up emails and I keep an eye on things but I you know I don't I, I don't stay in the office till 11 o'clock at night yes I did when I first had to when I first set up by myself because there was no one else to do it but I you know I, I refuse I, I try to have a balance in life um, I watch a lot of soccer that gets my anger out <laughs> um, uh, I go go to the gym when when I can sort of I'm not really a gym bunny but I know I have to do that um, yeah and I like and I like going out I still go out a lot I still party, 
you know, I love going out to nice restaurants and stuff. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, although my work is my life, I have a life as well as my work. Right, right, right. Oh, and I think that that really helps me kind of, and I think I'm, I'm just quite matter of fact about everything. I try, although, uh, yeah, there are times when I get very, very stressed, but it, I don't, don't think it, I don't get to the stage where I'm cracking up from it. I know that, you know, there's only so much you can do. Right. So I try, I try to keep a little balance in that. Well, Karen, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story and uh, just for giving some really great insights as to how you've really done everything all of these years. So thank you so much for being here. No, it, it's my absolute pleasure. And thank you very much for, for contacting me. If there's one point that Karen just kept hitting over and over again, it's hire great people. And oh my goodness, how many times have we heard this from our guests here on the show? Hire really great people who do your job even better than you do. (laughs) And that will allow you to grow. So that was a huge key takeaway. And I also love that she really pointed out that in the very beginning as she was trying to acquire clients that she really got herself enmeshed networked around in her scene and became a a person who people knew and, uh, you know, earned a reputation for uh, being the person that you, you know, got all of your products with. So anyway, really love that. You can go and find out more about Karen on our website, bizwomenrock.com, and she's at forward slash 155. Have an awesome day, and I'll see you on the next episode.